0: Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. So, so excited that you're here tonight. I just want to um, just leave you with a short uh, thought, a couple of ideas. You know, there's so much. Um, to love about Christmas, isn't there? Right. I don't know what your favorite parts are, but for me, it's it's about the music, it's about the sights and the sounds. Last night, my family went to the shooting range where they weren't shooting things; they had lights everywhere, and it was pretty awesome. Um, expensive, a little bit, but anyways, um, I love I love the movies. I love I love the food. Look at me, come on, y'all. I love the food. Um, I, I love Christmas for all of those reasons. But but let's face it, one of the great Uh, The best parts of Christmas is the gift-giving, and and of course, if we're honest, the gift-receiving. Come on, somebody. I know it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, but man, receiving is not bad. Can I get an amen on somebody? It's not bad. It's not bad. When I was a kid, I would dream about what Santa was going to bring, and occasionally my imagination would run wild about what might be there waiting for me under the tree, And sometimes the gift actually was beyond my own imagination. I remember, I think I was around 12 or 13, and I came into the living room, and we opened all the presents, and my dad came rolling out at the end um, this beautiful red 12-speed uh, Schwinn bicycle now for you guys that may not be much but I was the youngest of four and so every bicycle I had owned at this point had been a hand-me-down from one of my older brothers who had already trashed it and then they gave it to me come on young people all the babies in the house you know what I'm talking about well not not anymore but back in the day I used to get hand-me-downs now we don't get hand-me-downs probably but that's what I did and so it, it represented a kind of freedom for me uh, much like a car does for a 15, 16-year-old kid now, in that I could ride pretty much anywhere in the city—at least in my mind, I could—and go anywhere I wanted. And I did that, and somebody stole it. So I'm gonna need—I'm gonna need a moment, you know. No. <laughs> a couple of years later, um, my dad came rolling out with a 22 Magnum Marlin rifle. Now. That may not seem like much to you, except that my family weren 't sports pr- people we didn 't fish, we didn 't hunt. I did with my pellet gun, but other than that, we didn 't do that, and so for, I, I received the very first gun that probably had ever walked into the river 's household, and I felt like Ralphie y'all from 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 a Christmas story and I went out into the woods and I drew a target on a plate, and I was going to start using it for practice when out hopped a little rabbit near my near my my, my thing my, my little plate and you know, probably nowadays I'd have let that rabbit go, but man, I was kind of like Elmer Fudd in those days. Like, I'm hunting wabbits, you know, and, and well, my first shot uh, busted a rabbit up. Come on, somebody. <laughs> don't tell PETA. Come on, don't tell PETA. I, I've received a lot of gifts throughout my lifetime, but there are a few like those two that resonate with me uh, in my mind I remember how excited I was by them. I remember what joy they brought me, not only then, but for a, a while. And then one of the greatest gifts I've ever received in my lifetime was my own mother and father paying my way through college, through Bible college. I had no idea at the time how great a gift that was until I realized now how much it's gonna cost for me to send my girls through. Come on, parents, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you don't understand as a kid how great the sacrifices are that your parents make for you. You don't get it yet, but you will someday. It wasn't the greatest seminary ever, but like an arrow, they pointed me in the direction that I'm in now and fired me uh, out of the bow, and I'm here now because of that gift my parents gave me. It changed the entire trajectory of my life. Some gifts are life-altering, frankly, and like though that one, and I was thinking this week, what, what? What makes a great gift so great? I, th- I think it's a combination of a few things. Really, I think first of all, it's just the thoughtfulness of it—that that somebody took the time to think about this gift, and maybe they were listening as I said things throughout the year, and and and, and writing down notes or whatever. And then you you receive a gift that that is thoughtful. I, I think another thing that's 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 important is that it's that it's personal. The, the best gifts are personal. Somebody showed that they. That you, that you knew them um, or that, that they knew you by the, the, this gift. Maybe they inscribed something on it or had your name put on it. It's, it's personal. And then, 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 frankly, there's the idea of the cost of it. Now, this is not always the most important but thing, but sometimes there's a wow factor involved and I can't believe that you got this for me. And then I think another thing, and lastly, is just how great a need that the gift meets. For some of us, that's what it boils down to. The gifts that we receive and cherish the most are often a reflection of our immediate needs. The season we were in when that came through, something came through at the very right time that met a need that I couldn't have frankly met on my own. Some of you know this, that my doctors tell me that at some point in my life, I will need the gift of another kidney. Uh, I spent some time the other night with Sean Elliott at the Spurs game um, We both share the same disease. If you're a Spurs fan, you know who he is. And he described the gift of the kidney his brother gave him that saved his life. And he said, man, just at the right time, I was so, so sick. He stepped in and he gave me this life-saving gift. And I'm guessing if you ask Sean Elliott what his favorite gift was, it would be that one. right? The one that met a need that changed his life, in his case, saved his life that he couldn't have met on his own. And that's what makes the greatest gifts so great. They're they're personal, they're they're thoughtful. Um, There was a cost, an investment involved, and then just how great a need it met at just the right time. So so in light of that, I'd I'd like you to consider Christmas, uh, to consider Christmas and the gift that we all received on that very first Christmas, the gift of Jesus Christ. Um, Listen to the language from the prophet Isaiah, and we've been studying this text for the past several weeks now, When he says in Isaiah 9 and 6, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. All of these names in reference to the gift of Jesus. Look, look at the words. Remember the words that the angel said to some lowly shepherds out in a field guarding their flocks by night. Here's what the angel says in Luke 2. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Again, words describing a gift that is given to us, to you, to, to me. God's greatest gift to you and I The greatest gift that we will ever receive in our lifetime is the gift of Jesus. As a matter of fact, John, when he was writing about this very idea, he said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What makes any gift great is that they're thoughtful, personal. They came at a price. And they met a need just at the right time. And listen, God's gift of Jesus was thoughtful from the very beginning of humankind, from Adam and Eve when they had fallen in the garden in the way that they did. God had a plan in his mind immediately to redeem us. God told them somebody was going to come thousands of years later, they didn't know it at the time, who would actually come to redeem them. So, so thoughtful was this gift of Jesus that the entire Old Testament, the, the first half of your Bible, is this story, this narration pointing us to our need for a Messiah, for Jesus, and that thought was in, the begin, it was in the mind of God at the very beginning of our human story, thoughtful. The gift was personal because Isaiah seven fourteen says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When the prophet Isaiah says that God's name is Emmanuel, he's talking not about his actual name, but about God's nature, his his purpose towards us. As As we said, Emmanuel means God with us, that it's God's very nature to want to be present, to come alongside of you and I in our lives. God's being, his heart is an I-want-to-be-with-you heart personally. Do you know what the very first question that God asks the human race is? It's in Genesis. The question is, Adam, where are you? God's nature is to want to be with us. Scripture has very little to do with humankind wanting to be with God. It's God with us, not us with God. It's God who takes the initiative. It's God who comes down in Jesus. It's God's longing, his desire and passion to have a relationship with us. Jesus is a very personal gift. God himself has come to be with us. And the gift was also costly. Because creator puts himself into creation and timeless and eternal uh, enters into and becomes subject to time. And seated on a throne comes to be born into a barn and a manger. Surrounded by angels singing his praises day and night. Chooses to come to earth and surround himself with people who would ultimately despise, reject and kill him living in the richness and the splendor of heaven, chooses to come into poverty and into homelessness and to suffer as the man of sorrows. For for verse Peter tells us that it was the very blood of Jesus that paid the price for our salvation. It doesn't get any more costly than a life. Isaiah, pointing to this notion, says in Isaiah 53, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering and yet in our minds we consider him must be being punished by god stricken by him afflicted by him but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace with god by the way was laid on him and with his wounds we are healed no no price has ever been paid that was greater than the price that Jesus paid for our salvation. And finally, the gift of Jesus met a need at just the right time, a need that I couldn't meet on my own. Paul is trying to describe this idea when he says to the Romans in Romans chapter 5, he says, you see, just at the right time, just at the very moment that I had to have something, Matter of fact, he goes on and adds to that. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And then Paul tells his son in the gospel, Timothy, the facts about all of us. He's talking about himself, but it's really all of our stories. And he says in 1 Timothy, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom whom I am the worst. What gift could be greater than the gift of Jesus at Christmas? It's funny, I was thinking this week, you know, you never want to be outgifted by somebody, am I right? You'll sneak around trying to figure out what your wife bought you because you want to make sure I get something more expensive than that. I have three siblings, and we, think, we talk about amongst ourselves, we text, we have a text stream, and it's like, If I know that you're going to spend more for mom than on the gift, then i got to figure out how much are you spending. And if you say to me, um, 100 bucks, oh, I'm going to get a gift card for 150 bucks because I want to be the favorite child. (laughs) I only have one sister. There's no hope for me. (laughs) There's an obligation to give a gift and there's an obligation to receive a gift that is implicit in our gift giving. But listen, Think about this from God's point of view when he says, I'm going to give you a gift so extravagant, so priceless, so life-altering that you couldn't possibly reciprocate if you wanted to. And that is called grace. And the only obligation is to simply receive it by faith. Maybe you know God is with you in your head but you haven't let the love of God that would have had him do this downward mobility thing that he did in Jesus. Maybe you haven't let that idea penetrate your heart. You may be aware that in your life, God is, is out there, but you're keeping at arm's length, that, that God is with you, but maybe you're too busy to stop and really take notice. Or maybe it's hurts and, and disappointments and confusion that's caused you to keep God at, at arm's length. Because we have a hard time believing that God would show up in the brokenness of our lives. Maybe you think you have to climb up some sort of spiritual ladder and get fixed up a little before you can receive God's presence, and God says, no, I want to meet you right where you are, in the thick of your pain, in the thick of your darkness, in, in, in the midst of your pain. matter of fact, Paul is preaching a message in Acts 17, and he says, hey, God's not far from any one of us. No, no matter what you think about where you're at in relation to God, God says, I'm not far from any one of you, not at all. That's the meaning of Emmanuel, God with us in our worst situations, in our best situations. And even when we don't even understand or know him, God's with us personally. And I don't know where you are right now during the season. It may be the best of times. I hope it is. But this also may be the worst of times for some. But God is here. And if we just do what the shepherds did in response, they just came and knelt at his feet and worshiped him. He shows up instantly because he's here, he's close. All you got to do is whisper because he's close. And you can invite him to live in your heart and in your life. I want to pray with you. Lord, thanks so very much for this moment, this Christmas, and all that means and all that it represents. The very gift of Jesus, which sometimes we forget. It's amazing that we can forget that in the middle of the Christmas season, which is ostensibly all about him. God, we just invite you in. We invite you into our pain. We invite you into our brokenness. We invite you into our joy, our happiness, all of it. We invite you in. You are here with us. And Lord, some of us maybe have never invited you in, and maybe this is the day, this is the moment where you do that, where you invite him to come in and be Lord and be the Savior of your life, to fill the broken places, the empty places, to be the forgiver of, of your sins, to be the Lord of your life. And you can do that just by asking him to. So thank you for this moment, God. Thank you for this season. Thank you for the joy of this Christmas season. We praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsacom slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.